all these brave souls out here. Yeah, I've been really impressed with how many people I've met who um, have really shown their love for God and, and for other people. You know, we, we've talked earlier about uh, the great commandments, love God, love people. Um, I've, I've known a lot of people who've, who've made a lot of sacrifices. Some have you know, sacrificed everything, their, their money, their time, their, uh, you know, their time with their family, their, their security in order to take the, uh, the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, fulfilling the uh, uh, the, the great commission, and uh, you know, I've also known a lot who've sacrificed a lot, uh, even while remaining in the United States. And it's refreshing to see. You know, over the last few weeks, we've seen in our study of Mark's gospel that uh, you know there's a sequence of events. Sequence of events. Uh, we're you know we're right in the middle of the uh, the last week of Jesus as he's headed towards the cross. And, uh, you know, we know that at the cross, Jesus makes the, uh, the ultimate sacrifice. And he does this to fulfill his mission. You know, what was Jesus' mission on earth? To save humanity. Um, well, let's see. Luke 19.10, uh, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Uh, John 10.10, he says, I came that they might have life. And have it more abundantly. Uh, Mark ten thirty five, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know that that theme is taking us to the cross, taking him to the cross. You know, and we can say that uh, Jesus's sacrifice, you know, giving his very life on the cross, was um, you know his pouring out his life on our behalf, pouring out his life for us, a very extravagant sacrifice. You know, what What more could a person do than to, to sacrifice their, their very life for, for others? You know, Jesus, Jesus said, no greater love hath, hath any man that he'd you know, give his life for a friend. And um, this morning we turn to Mark chapter 14 where we see a woman who makes a very significant uh, sacrifice, uh, an extravagant sacrifice, you know, and this this word extravagant really does explain it, does describe it. In fact, Jesus says here that, you know, anywhere the gospel is mentioned, anywhere the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, uh, this this story would be told in memory of her. And look, we're doing it right now. We're doing it here today, fulfilling Jesus' prophecy about that. So turn with me to Mark chapter 14. We'll start at verse 1. We're going to read the uh, first 11 verses. And uh, this, this story about the woman is, is sandwiched between the, uh, the outer story. Remember, uh, Mark does this a lot. He, he likes to put bookends around stories sometimes. So... You know, it's, it starts out with the uh, betrayal of Jesus and then this story about this woman and her extravagant sacrifice. And then he, then he returns to the, the other side of the bookmark where uh, it, it discusses uh, the betrayal again. So starting with 14, verse 1, Now the Passover 
And the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or, or people may riot. Well, he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And some of those presents present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, as we unpack this, um, I'd like to, um, you know, focus on three people or, or, or groups of people. First, we have this woman. Mark refers to her as a woman. Next, we have the disciples and uh, finally us. You know, what, what should we do? What should we do? Okay, let's start out with a woman. Now, notice that Mark doesn't say who this woman is. He doesn't give her a name. Uh, I, I think it's significant. Mark does what he does in, in his writing for, for a purpose. He just calls her a woman who came when Jesus was having a meal. And uh, yeah, I believe Mark does this because... Of his emphasis. His emphasis is not on this woman. His emphasis is on what she did. And, uh, you know, since this is Mark's account, we'll leave it at that. Uh, you can find out in another gospel who she was, and I'll leave that to you as, as homework. <laughs> anyway, what does she do? She sacrificed extravagantly in order to honor Jesus. She sacrificed extravagantly to honor Jesus. She, uh, her sacrifice was, uh, we've got three Ps here, profuse, pure, and precious. And I'm borrowing this outline from one of my professors at, uh, at DTS, uh, Abraham Curavela. And I, I like that. Her sacrifice was profuse, pure, and precious. You know, her, her sacrifice was big. It was, uh, it was profuse. She broke this alabaster container and poured it on Jesus. Uh, what's alabaster? Uh, you've probably seen pictures of alabaster vases. Uh, it's, it's a type of hard gypsum. It's uh, translucent. And in, in this time in the ancient Near East, a lot of times I used it for windows. You couldn't see through it, but it let light in. It was translucent. 
Uh, I've seen pictures of alabaster um, ointment flasks. And some of them are some of them are very ornate. You know, it's kind of a, a soft. It's hard, but it's soft enough to to carve easily. And they would have a, a narrow neck. And in order to get to the content, they'd snap the neck. They'd, they'd break the top off. And so this alabaster jar contained um, pure nard, it's called. Sometimes it's called spike nard. It's a very costly uh, aromatic oil. Uh, it's, it's grown in northern India. And uh, you know, it says that this pure ointment was very costly. How, how costly? You know, according to the ones who complained it was worth more than uh, 300 denarii. The uh, the version I read, the ESV, said it was uh, a year's worth of wages. Well, a denarii at, at the time was worth about a day's wage. Day's wages. Um, and if you considered that Jews worked six hours a day, that would be about 300 days, one year's worth of work for this little bottle of perfume. One year's pay. It was profuse. It was precious. It was pure. Notice the the woman's comprehension of Jesus' mission here. You know, Jesus says, and it you know becomes apparent from what he says that this woman knew what she was doing. It says Jesus said she was preparing his body for burial. You know, in just a few days from this incident, Jesus was heading to the cross. He would die. And, you know, uh, the question is, well, did she really know this? Did she know Jesus was going to die? And if so, how did she know? Well, the the, the answer is really quite obvious. Uh, Jesus had said three times already that he was going to die, that he was going to suffer and die and, and be raised from the dead. You know, Mark reports these. uh, Apparently, this woman had been listening, unlike the uh, disciples. Let's look next at what the disciples did. You know, as this woman was listening and taking care, or taking uh, heed to what Jesus was saying, you know, apparently the disciples were not, they were not listening. You know, before we look at their reaction to what this woman did. Let's look at their reaction to uh, Jesus's predictions three times where he prophesied he was going to die. Uh, the verses in, in Mark are listed in your, in your outline there. Uh, Mark eight thirty one. as he began to teach, uh, he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, it says, verse 32. Peter took him aside to, to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You know, Peter did not believe Jesus. Not only was he not listening, he didn't believe him. He rebuked him. You know, in, in Jewish culture, uh, it would be a pretty serious thing for a, a student to rebuke his, his rabbi, but Peter did. Mark doesn't really provide any commentary. He just relays what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. You know, Peter's thoughts 
Peter's behavior were, were influenced by, by the enemy. Well, the second time Jesus told his disciples what was going to happen, you know, look what the disciples did. Mark 9.31. He was teaching the disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he's killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way, they'd argued with one another about who was the greatest. They weren't listening to Jesus. They were self-centered, self-focused. You know, Jesus says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed by these guys, be raised from the dead in three days. And they didn't understand. And they, they were afraid to ask him. So, you know, on, on the way to Capernaum, rather than saying, hmm, we should... Uh, we should ask him what he's talking about here. This this sounds like pretty serious business, you know, being being betrayed and killed and, and rising from the dead. But uh, no, they were just arguing about who's who is the greatest. Third time, something similar happens. Mark ten thirty two. They were on the road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed and. Those who followed were afraid, and taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, see, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. After three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He said to them, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant us to sit, one on your right hand and one on your left in, in your glory. Um, they weren't listening. Jesus once again tells them what's happening, and that's, how they respond. That reveals they're not listening. You know, it shows how James and John and the other disciples were were self-absorbed, self-focused. And, you know, we mentioned that that, that this woman earlier had had a comprehension of what Jesus was saying. She had a comprehension of what was going to happen to Jesus. Conversely, the disciples did not. They had a, a great incomprehension of Jesus' suffering mission. And uh, what did the disciples do? You know, first of all, we have Judas. Um, Mark didn't say a whole lot about him, but he was, he was totally off. He sold out. Yeah, out of his greed, he, he betrayed Jesus. But look at the rest of the disciples. You know, apparently the disciples really didn't hear what Jesus was saying. They didn't grasp that he was going to suffer and be killed and return from the dead. Rather than focusing on him, what were they focusing on themselves? So when this when this woman lavishly honored Jesus with her costly sacrifices, what does it say about them? They were greatly annoyed. They were annoyed. Why this waste? And the the word from the word for waste in, in the original language, Greek, it has the, the the sense of destruction. You know, the uh, the ointment 
was wasted. There's no way to get it back. Its, it's value can never be retrieved. It's, it's gone for good. It's gone forever. It could have been sold in the proceeds given to the, uh, to the poor. Now, it'd be a good thing, right? Give the proceeds to the poor. You know, it's hard to, hard to fault them for that. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you whenever you want. You can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. You know, does this, <coughs> does this mean Jesus doesn't care about the poor? <coughs> no. <coughs> Excuse me. No. Mark 4.18, Jesus uh, quotes Isaiah. He says, the spirit, (coughs) spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, Mark 10 Jesus tells a rich young man who wants to follow him. He says, sell all you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. You know, Jesus had a heart for the poor. He still has a heart for the poor. Um, it's It's a matter of opportunity and it's a matter of priority here. You know, we'll, we'll always have the poor. And we should always help the poor. But right now, in a few days, Jesus is going to suffer and die. This woman has done a beautiful thing in honoring him. So she's made an extravagant sacrifice to honor her Lord. Okay, what, what should we do? Let's talk about us. How does this, how does this apply to us? You know, it makes... For a nice story, but Mark puts this in here for a reason. The Holy Spirit inspired this record of what this woman did for us. In verse fourteen nine, Jesus commends the woman. You know what? There's a fourth P here. What she did was praiseworthy. Jesus says, "Truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she's done will be told in memory of her." Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, what is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus. It's you know the news of, of great importance of, of something that is world-changing, transformational. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was raised according to the scripture. God's plan all along being fulfilled. Why? That we might have new life in him. You know, this woman's selfless, extravagant sacrifice has become part of the gospel story is what Jesus is saying here. That's pretty amazing. And Mark just calls her a woman. You know, her 
Her response to Jesus models what we should do as his followers, as Jesus' followers. He, you know, we should sacrifice in a matter in a manner that is profuse and pure and precious and praiseworthy. I forgot I forgot the one P there. So what what might this look like? To make this kind of sacrifice, how how might we put this into practice? Yeah, I think I think God helps us out here with with the scripture. You know, this this isn't a comprehensive list, but here's a few ideas. You know, first we need to give of ourselves. We need to pour ourselves out. Paul talks about how his life has been poured out like a drink offering. Paul in Romans 12 says, "What? I appeal to you, therefore, brethren." by the mercies of God, to present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, just as, just as the woman poured out this, this precious oil, anointing Jesus, we should pour out our, our very lives in order to honor him, in order to honor the gospel. Let's look at some practical ways we, we can do this. How... How is it? You know, we could talk about pouring ourselves out, but uh, what does it look like? And again, this isn't a comprehensive lift. You, list. You guys can come up with plenty more ideas than what I can present here. But, you know, it may be a sacrifice of uh, your time. You know, time's a, a precious resource. You know, we're all given 24 hours a day, 60 days or 60 minutes per hour. You know, I've said it before, the, the President of the United States has the same number of minutes per day as we do. You know, nobody gets any more than what each of us gets. It's a precious resource, a precious commodity. Can we pour out our time for our Lord to honor him? Other resources uh, are, are talents. Can we pour out the gifts that God has given us to serve him, to serve others? It might be a sacrifice of our, our attention or our, our energy. We can pour out our lives by serving others, right? You know, that love, love one another. That's, I mean, that just flows from our love of God. You know, Jesus said, a new commandment to give you. You know, the, the Old Testament law, Jesus quoted, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you know what, I, let's, let's, take that, let's take that up a couple notches here. Love, love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. Jesus poured out his life extravagantly for us. Jesus said that in, in Matthew twenty five forty, as as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You know, pouring out our life by serving others. Verse thirty five, Matthew twenty five thirty five. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
what's he talking about here? These are these are sacrificial things. You know, we, we give up our resources, our time, our talents, our, our treasures to do these things that Jesus is saying. 37, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did you see... Or, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them and say, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Profuse, pure, precious, pouring our lives out. How else can we do this for others? in our families, uh, in our children. You know, let me, let me commend uh, so many mothers in, in our group here that, that have sacrificed giving up your, your years, your minutes, your hours, you know, and, and bringing up your children. And what would the world say? What a waste, right? What a waste. Why this waste? But just as with this woman, what you're doing is a beautiful thing. Uh, <clears throat> how about the elderly? You know, the elderly are some of the most marginalized in our society. And we can, we can honor Christ by pouring out our lives and sacrificially giving to honor our parents and take care of them, helping them. And we should pour out ourselves for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We should pour out ourselves for strangers. This is what Jesus was saying, you know, give of ourselves extravagantly. You know, Jesus in Matthew sixteen twenty four. It says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And Paul talking about his own life in Acts uh, 24, 20. Acts 20, verses, verse 24. He says, I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So again, you know, some some may see this kind of sacrifice as, as a waste. You know, a waste of time, a waste of money, a waste of, of resources, a, a waste of a career, a waste of a life. Just like the disciples, when this woman poured out this precious oil on Jesus, why this waste? But is it really? Um, listen to this account. This comes from uh, John Piper's book called Don't Waste Your Life. On April 2000, Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon, West Africa. Ruby was over 80. Single all her life, she poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor, and the sick. 
Laura was a widow, a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. Well, the brakes failed, the car went over a cliff, and they were both killed instantly. And I asked my congregation, was, was this a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great passion, namely to spend in unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ, even two decades after most of their American counterparts had retired to throw away their lives on trifles. Piper says, no, this is not a tragedy. This is a glory. These lives were not wasted. These lives were not lost. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Mark 8, 35. And he goes on and he says, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider a story from February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in uh, Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. At first when I read it, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof on the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ on the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells? That's a tragedy, he says. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over against that, I put my protest. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. Have you heard of Adoniram, Adoniram Judson? He was a missionary. He was born in 1788. He went to uh, Burma. In the Far East, God gave him, he was the first American overseas missionary, by the way. God gave him this vision for world missions, a heart for reaching the lost, for reaching people who had never heard of Jesus with the gospel. He spent six years learning the language and getting to know the people. And at the six-year point, he'd only seen one person come to the Lord, only one convert in six years. During the next three years, only 17 more natives were converted. When Burma was invaded by Britain, all missionaries were considered spies and put in death prisons. He lost wives and children to illness, and he himself suffered greatly. It was... Was his life a waste? Some people would say, yeah, he could have, he could have stayed and had a, a great uh, gig preaching in a big church, which was offered. He chose to go to Burma instead. That's Myanmar now. By the world standards, yeah. Listen to this, though. Before he left the United States, he turned down this, this position at Park Street Church in Boston, which had a 1,000 members. The church in Burma that he founded through the Holy Spirit now numbers 30,000. 
And uh, I, I had a classmate in one of my uh, classes at Dallas Seminary, uh, second semester Hebrew. And uh, he was from Myanmar. And uh, at, at the time I was reading this, this, uh, this biography, I think, I think it was called On the Golden Shore. If anybody wants to read that, I've got it, I've got it at my office. You can borrow it from me. But I asked him about this, Adoniram Judson. I said, well, you know, you, you, surely you've heard of him. And he became real teary-eyed. And he said, he's my father. Speaking of, you know, a spiritual father, Adoniram Judson was in the late 1700s, but, you know, he said, he said the Christian church, the people in Miramar who know the Lord consider him to be their, their spiritual father. You know, he, he told me how much uh, this ministry meant to him personally. Uh, you know, he, he provided, Judson provided the, uh, the Bible in this language, which I, I believe, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not mistaken, that he created the, the written language and then translated the Bible into it. Uh, this this friend of mine was himself, you know, some of the fruit of uh, Judson's ministry. You know, he he has eternal life as a result of Adoniram Judson's wasted life. So let's conclude here. You know, we when we give our lives to the Lord. When we truly pour out our lives for Jesus, you know, the world will see it as, as a waste. Uh, you know, it's, it's sad that even, even some fellow believers may see it that way. Um, but, you know, we are Jesus' disciples, and we need to take seriously what Jesus said. You know, he's essentially, he was saying, remember this woman. Remember what she did. It's important. Let's honor him. Let's let's be part of Jesus' ongoing mission, you know, to seek and save that which was lost. Um, when I was in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, uh, you know, I learned the core values of the CMA, and I love the first one. Here it is. Lost people matter to God, and he wants them found. Lost people matter to God, and he wants them found. So let's, let's give of ourselves. Let's give of ourselves extravagantly to be part of his mission that he's passed on to us. That's, that's the appropriate response to his extravagant sacrifice for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank, we thank you for your great love for us that you yourself poured out your life to, to save us, to take our sins on the cross, dying for us that we might have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for being a God of reconciliation and for the reconciling work that you did on the cross through Jesus. And Lord, I, I just pray that we would respond ourselves in, in giving, pouring ourselves out, Lord, to you, to one another, to the lost, 
as a sacrifice, as an extravagant sacrifice of our lives to you, Lord. Living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. Use us, Lord, as, as you see fit. Uh, use us for the, the mission that you have passed on to us, Lord, to, to be your witnesses to uh, a world that needs you so desperately, lost and dying, in need of, of you, Lord, in need of eternal life. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.